Um, as Laura pointed out, my name is Josh. I'm a church planting resident. I'm the old church planting resident. Y'all got Juhan now. Y'all like upgraded to church planting resident 2.0. And if I'm being honest, I'm feeling a little like iOS 12 right now. Uh, you know, iOS 13 came out and everybody's like, y'all see all these features? Look at all these features. They're amazing. And I'm just like, I got, I got features. I got, they, they were new when, it, when I came out. Like, y'all don't want these features no more? <laughs> <laughs> um, in all seriousness, obviously, I'm joking around. I love Juhan. Shout out to Juhan, uh, wherever he's at. Um, I'm, I'm way off already. I'm like, uh, I made that same joke last time, and I, I don't know why no one's there. Um, I made that same joke last time, and I thought to myself, like, yo, I'll recover better this time because I know I'm going. I said the joke, and that I, everything else is clear gone from my mind right now. Um, my name is Josh, church planning resident. Next week. We'll be commissioned, sent out, all that good stuff. I'm back in the zone now. I'm tracking with myself here. Um, <clears throat> it's a real special morning um, for me, though, with that being said, because this is, like, the last time that I will, like, be preaching at the well as, like, a staff member and a part of, like, the well, like, like directly a part of the well family. And so the next time I'm here, the next time I preach here, which I'm, I'm planning at church, so it's probably not going to be for a while, um, <laughs> is going to be, I'll be here as like the pastor of like Refuge Community Church and not the church planting resident at the well. And I think about that and I think about what we're talking about today, which is we're diving into the sending portion of our uh, vision here at the well. And we're also diving into the aspect of serving. And I couldn't help but kind of be taken aback by the reality that in this room, man, like there's a ton of you that have served me well that have served my wife well, that have served my children well. Um, We have given uh, to you, but we have not given nearly as much as we've received. And we've poured out, but we have not poured out nearly as much as we've been poured into. And I want to take a second to just say thank you for serving my family, for serving my wife, for serving my daughter. Um, Thank you. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Yes. All right. Uh, You have gained crowns in heaven for your service to us and how you've made us a part of your family. No, we wouldn't be here forever. Uh, And I just want to say thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Can you give yourself like a round of applause? I love you enough to give you a round of applause. There's like a couple of you guys that I clearly, I'm looking at you and I don't know you, so you don't know me. So you're like, should I clap? I don't, I've done nothing for this guy. And so, like, <laughs> that's okay. That's all right. You can clap, too. You're a part of it. I'm specifically looking at this guy over here. I don't know you, bro, but, like, I, so you can clap, bro. It's all right. Um, okay, so transition. I did this last time. It actually did help me clear my mind up a little bit. I got, like, four things I want to get off my chest. Okay, one, and this is still true an hour and a half later. I ate some hot wings yesterday, and my stomach still hurts. Free plug for them. If you want really spicy things, go to Tommy One Wingy on South Congress. Them bad boys will destroy you. Somebody else knows what's up. Okay. Two, who would have thought that Kanye was going to drop an album that made me worship Jesus? You never saw it coming. And if you have an opinion about it, keep it to yourself. All right. So three, go Astros. Ate one last night, series tied. That's what I'm talking about. It's because I wore my lucky shirt. All right. Four, since the last time you guys saw me, I have another kid. Shout out to my wife back there. Woo! Yes. (laughs) He's a champion. She's a champion. We love him. 
Jude Alexander Guerrero, shout out to you. You're on date now. Um, but I do want to make a public service announcement uh, for all of you present and for all those that will listen on the podcast later. Please do not ask me how having two kids is. Uh, let me just go ahead and tell you right now, it's horrible and full of love. All at the same time. All at the same time, it's horrible and full of love. I'm tired and I'm overjoyed, okay? I'm frustrated. Oh, maybe I'm just frustrated. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Um, but it's been great. It's been great. But it's also just really tiring. So if you, if you want to know how it is having two kids, don't text me. Don't ask me. Hold it back when you're in front of me. Just come back to this sermon, please. Um, okay. So what are we doing? We're, uh, we're talking about Exalt Disciple Sin. We're continuing our series in Exalt Disciple Sin. That's what we're doing. And so what we're going to do today is as we jump back in, we're going to tack, we're going to jump into the phase of our vision here at the well that is uh, sending, sending. This series is built on really under, like, like, like kind of unveiling or really digging into the distinctives we have here at the well that we believe are necessary to push the vision God's given us forward. And so we're going to jump into sending, and a huge part of that, if you didn't know, right, let me just lay it out there, the well has a vision to send 100 missionaries and to plant 100 churches in the first 50 years of the well's existence, All right? So here's, we already sent, I mean, a good chunk of missionaries, church plant going out here, Juhan church plant going out in the future. So, I mean, there's, there's already some traction of that, but a huge part, honestly, the first part of how we see sending working is actually through serving, Serving the church and serving the city. Serving the church, because when we serve the church, it builds itself into a healthy thing, and that healthy thing can't help but bless the city. You've heard us say multiple times over and over again that this church, y'all, it is not built on the talents of a few, but it's built on the sacrifices of many. And when those many come together and build something beautiful, that beautiful thing begins uh, to healthily serve the city and just make the city look beautiful. And as the church is resourced because it's blessing the city, the city engages with it, people are coming to faith, you all of a sudden have this healthy organism that's able to like start shooting people out like crazy. And so serving is a huge part of sending. And that's what we're going to talk about today, serving. Now let me be, kind of address the elephant in the room that everyone kind of feels when we talk about serving and specifically serving the church. Everyone's like, man, my guy is going to browbeat me into serving in kids ministry in the next 20 minutes. I'm not going to do that. I promise. Now, let me be very clear. If you feel convicted to serve more, that's between you and God, my friend, all right? You need to handle that with him. I didn't do that to you. My goal, I hope, is much better and much deeper than that simple thing. It's really that I want us to see serving from the light of Scripture. And I want to see serving in light of Jesus and what his words were here in this text. And what I want us to see is that the idea of serving is actually much different from that context, from that lens. It actually becomes beautiful. It actually becomes encouraging. It actually becomes life-giving. It actually brings us joy. And it actually bears fruit that is eternal, both in our lives and in the lives of others. Okay, so we're going to take some time to do that. We're going to dive in, um, starting in verse 24. <coughs> By the way, I got like some allergies, so if I'm like sneezing or coughing, just let it go. Um, starting 24, jumping in, a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. Now, stop there. I want, us to give us some, I want to give us some background, and I want to kind of dissect that for a second. Luke 22 is the beginning of Luke's... The, the story here in Luke 22 changes. Before Luke 22, between Luke 1 and Luke 21, 
Luke was all about basically just talking about the life and ministry of Jesus. But starting in chapter 22, Luke begins to focus on the death and resurrection of Jesus. And here in 22, it starts with Jesus' farewell address. So this was common when leaders were getting written about in the ancient times. They kind of had this farewell address when they were about to kind of be sent off. This actually happens in Deuteronomy with Moses. He's about to kind of exit the scene, and so it has this beautiful uh, aspect where he's praying for people, he's giving some final teachings, and then he departs, right? And in this final teaching, Jesus highlights serving, and that's like an intense thing. Man, like Jesus, out of all the things he was going to talk about during his final address, serving is one of the things that comes up. Now, a little bit before this, this is actually kind of funny, and it just shows the type of people we're working with in this text, all right? A little bit before this, they actually institute the Lord's Supper, something we're going to take part in a little bit later. And during that supper, Jesus is like, yeah, y'all are all going to betray me. Y'all are all going to desert me, I mean. One of you is going to betray me. And there's this somber morning, and Jesus is there, and it's quiet. And then all of a sudden, the disciples are like, I bet I'm better than you. Like, it's, it's really confusing, like, how they get there. But however they get there, that tense moment is broken not by someone being like, man, like, like let's pray together. Let, let's kind of rally around Jesus. That somber moment is broken by the disciples being, hey, like, bro, I bet I'm better than you. I bet Jesus likes me more than you. <laughs> and so in 24, dispute arises among the disciples to be regarded as who's the greatest. Now, I want to stop there again because I think what's, what I want to do is really dis dissect what are they asking. Like, let's just take some, let's just take some opinions real quick. Like, what do you think they're asking when they say who's the greatest? You can give me an easy answer. You can give me, like, a deep answer. Like, maybe this is what they're thinking. Like, what do y'all think? Let's get some class participation going. Who's the smartest? That's a good one. Who is the smartest? I, I really like that one. Someone over here? Who's a better disciple? Who obeys more? I think that's a really, really, I think that one is something that we oftentimes think about. Let's get one more. Who's your favorite? Who's your favorite? That's a great one. <coughs> it's easy. Let me, let me say this. I wanted to ask that because there was three different opinions of what's going on there. And the reason for that is because we're not ancient Jewish people reading this. We're Americans in 2019. And so it's easy to read this and project onto it some things that are probably more prevalent in our culture than they were in this culture. And so in, when we read this, a lot of things that come up are like, who's your favorite? Who's the smartest? When I read it, I thought, man, who's the most powerful? You know, like, who's the most glorious? And it's easy to do that because oftentimes when we read and project stuff onto text like that, it's really the thing that we don't believe we are. It's easy to look and go, oh, yeah, like when I read it, I'm like, I don't lust for power. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not hungry for power and glory and fame. Like, I'm planning a church. Like, I, I, evidently, I'm not after those things. Like, who's the greatest to me sounds like Scar looking at Mufasa and being like, I want the kingdom right? It's 20 years old, so if you don't know what I'm referencing, that's on you, okay? <laughs> but I'm not power hungry, so it's easy for me to look at this and go, oh yeah, that's not right. But it's a little bit harder, and sometimes confronts us a little bit more when we dive and go, what is really being asked here? Because it's easy for me to go, yeah, power eats away at your soul. Yeah, power divides you and others. Yeah, power robs you of the ability to be dependent on God. You know what's harder for me to see that? See, see through that lens, though? Comfort. You know what's way harder for me to see uh, eating my soul and dividing me from others and keeping me from being dependent on God? Comfort. It's much harder. 
much harder. And it's also something that I don't want to think about because it's something that I depend on in my day-to-day life every single day. And in reality, what's happening in this text is not that they're saying, who is the most powerful, who is, who's the most powerful, who's controlling everything? Because in their culture, they didn't really have a box for absolute power and control. In fact, when Jesus responds here in verse 25, he says, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. So really, even the idea of having power and authority and, I mean, overwhelming just authority over somebody was something they had to look outward and go, look at the Gentiles do that. In their culture, that wasn't prevalent. The idea, as Jesus finishes, he says, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. What he's doing is creating a bit of a ironic idea. Can you put up the definition for benefactors? Benefactors is someone who's, someone or something that provides help or an advantage, one that confers a benefit. And so what Jesus does here is he goes, hey, look, the kings of the Gentiles, they call themselves someone that offers something, but in reality, they're only the ones that take something. He uses them as a contrast to show, man, look, in this world, people think that when you're great, when you're worthy, when you have advantage, the goal for this world is to gain comfort. It's to gain comfort. Now, now, some of you guys are looking at me right now, and I can, like, see the perplexed look on your face. Because a lot of us in this room right now are like, what's wrong with comfort? Like, why is this guy harping on my couch, right? Like, why, why is he against comfy things? I'm not. I'm not. But what's happening here is that I want to show you something about our world and about how it just directly is in conflict with a lot of what Christ wants from us and wants for us. These men were trying to figure out who was the most worthy so that they could gain comfort out of their worthiness. It's hard to be dependent on God. And this is the kind of main idea with comfort that I want to get at. It's hard to depend on God when any single thing you want on the face of the world is accessible through a button on your phone. It's hard. It's hard. Comfort is such a staple in our society that it's hard for us to look at this text and even see, like, what's the problem here? Because we live in a society where comfort is our God. We live in a culture where comfort is our God in every way you can imagine. Man, like, when you're feeling low, the main thing we want to go do is hop on our couch and watch Netflix. When we're feeling insecure, then we want to go somewhere where someone's going to simply tell us, yo, you're doing really good. We want to feel that sense of comfort in every second of our day. And our culture and our society feeds us and goes, hey man, you should have this. This is important. I just want to lay a couple of things out so that you can see what I'm saying. In our society, and I want to be really sensitive here, but I also want to lay it out pretty plainly. Again, you can have anything you want, flipping through Amazon, hit it, and they'll get it to you the very next day. You don't even go to the grocery store anymore. You don't even got to go to the grocery store. You can literally, central market would be like, hey, you want that? Like, like, give us $5. We'll have it there. Like, if you order before 12, we'll get it there before 5, right? Like, like that's exactly how they are. You don't even got to go to the grocery store. And again, being sensitive here, but I do want to communicate this. You don't even got to go out of your house to meet people anymore. All you have to do is go to an app and go, huh. You don't have to do the hard work of getting to know somebody. You can just look at all of their information on a dating page. You don't even have to say, yo, I like you. You just have to swipe left. Right? I'm sorry. I don't know the game. I'm far removed. Hey, yo, yo, yo. I appreciate you, though. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. <laughs> Swipe right. Okay. My bad. All right. 
I'm six, seven years removed from the game, babe. We're in here. We're in here. We've been in this for a long time. We're OGs, love, okay? Um, But, man, that's the culture and society we live in. That's how convenient. That's how much we value comfort. In fact, you go to work to make more money to get more comfortable when you get home from work. And each one of those moments when we start looking at comfort and going, man, this is a thing that's going to make my life just that much better. This is a thing that's going to make my life just that much more whole. This is the thing that's going to renew and revive me when I'm feeling tired, when I'm feeling low, when I'm feeling insufficient. I need comfort. That's the thing that brings me life. And that's what these guys were asking for. But except in their day, man, they didn't have comfort like we have comfort. They were desperately like, man, who, who's the greatest? Who, who's going like, who, to get the chance to live in comfort out of all of us? Because, man, we're really, we're, we would really enjoy that. In fact, in a parallel text in Matthew, James and John say, God, Jesus, who's going to sit at your right and left? Can can it be us? They want to be served alongside of God, alongside of Christ. But lovingly, lovingly, instead of looking at them and instead of looking at us, Christ does not simply look at us and go, oh, man, well, at least you're not power hungry. At least you're you're not envious. At least you're not, man, you only desire comfort. And, man, everyone deserves some comfort. Instead of unlovingly looking and going, yeah, it's not a big deal. He looks at them and he begins to confront them and challenges these ideas. And that's critical because I want to make one aside, and this almost has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but I need you to hear and understand this. God under- Christ understood, and Luke understood, that's why he added it, that amongst God's people here, there can be thoughts, ideas, attitudes that are contrary to God's will and God's kingdom. So in this room, not just y'all, me, Anthony, Everyone that was singing, all of us wrestle with ideas and attitudes that are opposite of God's desire for us. Here amongst God's people. That's why we can't just go off of what we feel. We can't just go off of even a pastor's opinion. It's why we come here on Sunday and sit under this word so that God himself can instruct you, no, that's not the right idea. That's not the right thought. I want to adjust this not for the sake of just uniformity, but, but you have thoughts and ideas right now that you're wrestling with about sex, about relationships, about money, about provision, about life, about happiness, about joy, that are opposite of what God desires. And those thoughts and ideas only bring you death. They don't bring you life. And so Christ, looking at these men and going, right now, you probably desire comfort because you think it's going to make your life something that it's not. So I'm going to lovingly change and and just form that and just move it around a little bit because I love you. So jumping back in, his response in verse 26, he says, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as one who serves. For who is the greater, 27, the one who reclines at table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table, but I am among you, That's the one who serves. And so Christ pushes back and goes, no, 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 no. You see, in your world and in this society, the greatest earns the right to be served by the lesser. But in my kingdom and in my world, the one who's greatest has the opportunity to serve the lesser. And he goes, man, you know, the one who's the biggest, he becomes as a child. And again, remember the context here. 
Like, nowadays, we're like, oh, yo, kids have rights. You don't spank him. That didn't happen here. There was no rights for kids in these days, right? Like, this wasn't, if you were going to get spanked, you were going to get spanked. And it's like, that's what it was. And so when he says to become as a child, what he's saying is, man, become as somebody that has, like, little to no rights in your community. That has, like, little to no voice in your community. Become as one that literally, uh, man, kids in that time, like, legitimately were used to be the ones that, like, worked. It was like, man, we got to have more kids so that we can send them bad boys out there to work. Like, that's how we're going to get by, keep having kids, right? That's why all these people have so many kids, because it was like, yo, we got to keep this going. We got to keep the money coming. Uh, money is in, like, food. Uh, and so really what he's saying is, like, be like one that literally is there only to serve and work. Like, like live like that. And the leader become as a servant. And the leader become as a servant. And then he shows them firsthand what he's saying. He gives them that example and goes, hey, man, what... In in this world, the one that sits and reclines at a table is greater than the one that serves. But I'm here. I'm showing you that I'm the greatest, and I'm here serving you. I'm here to serve. Like, like, it was this guy that you had seen for three years do things like make blind people see and do things like calm storms and do things like cast demons out. You saw this man, and you were like, yo, I'm following this guy. I'm like, John and James and them were like, hey, Dad, I'll see you some other time. And they just left. They didn't finish the job on their boat. They were, they were enamored with this man. And now Jesus is looking at him and going, look at me. I'm greatest among us. I'm greatest among all. And I'm here serving you. And that was an example that was beautiful because what was happening, again, kind of combining the two points that we just talked about, is that Christ's service was not, point, it wasn't, let me say it like this, it wasn't just for the sake of them having a better job. God wasn't serving them just for the sake of them being better people. He wasn't serving them just for the sake of them having a little bit better food at the end of the day. Christ's service to them was beautiful because it was the act of going, man, I'm here humbling myself and serving you so that I can pull back the curtains and show you the kindness of God. I'm pulling it back so that you can see the beauty of the thing that's actually going to make you whole. I'm not going to let you rest on the things that won't. I'm going to humble myself to serve you to show you the things that will make you whole. That's the kind of God you serve. That's our king. Because let me be really transparent. Let me be really straightforward. I mean, Christ wasn't in glory going like, oh man, I'm like really lonely. I need Josh. Like, that wasn't happening. Like, it's not that I'm not a cool guy. I think I'm pretty cool and just throwing it out there. But what I am saying is that God wasn't up there like, man, I just desperately need Josh right now. My existence as God is not going to be complete without that guy that rocked Jordan once. That's not what was happening. That didn't happen. It was out of, it was to display the beauty of God's kingdom, this upside down world where God in glory was like, you know what? I'll submit myself humble myself, come down and serve humanity in order to gain them back. That's what his service looked like. That's what it looks like now. And so when he calls us to partner with him in serving, man, that's one of the things he calls us to. He calls us to serve so that we can show the kindness of Christ to others. Like That's one of the things that serving displays to others the kindness of Christ. So when you serve, you partner with Christ the same way he has served you by trying your hardest to unveil the kindness, beauty, and love of Christ to someone that maybe hasn't seen it and doesn't know it. 
And so when you're serving in this place, in the church, right, if you're an usher or a welcome team member, people are walking in, you don't know what they've had that day. If you have two kids, I just said it's horrible, but full of love, you're, you're right over here, probably wasn't that fun, all right? You get here, and it's like, oh, man, I'm, I'm kind of having a rough day. And all of a sudden, you're met and bombarded with all these people that are saying, hi, good morning. I'm glad you're here. Is there anything you need? There's coffee in the back. That small moment is us partnering with Christ and going, man, I'm going to work hard so that this person, even in the moments of the shadows, even in the moments of the voices, even in the moments of the discouragement, can have the, the curtain pulled back a little bit, and they can get a firsthand glimpse of the love and kindness and care of God. That's what you're doing. When you're setting up this place, when you're pulling a trailer, when you're running sound, when you're singing, when you're preaching, when you're doing all these things, all of them are not just to check off a mark and go, yeah, I serve. Yeah, I, I, I did what God told me to do. It's partnering with God in order to see someone understand, maybe for the first time, or maybe just reminded in a moment of deep need, that there is a God who loves, cares, adores, has affirmed, has exalted, and is actively serving that person. And that might be exactly what they need. I take that back. That is exactly what they need in that moment and in every moment of their life. And that's what God calls us into when he goes, hey, take a look at my kingdom. I'm the greatest and I serve. So if you want to know who's great, why don't you use your greatness to serve others? Why don't you lay down your life to serve someone else? Now, let me be honest, though. <coughs> Some of us are like, that's good. But, <laughs> but like, if you're like me, when I was like putting this, like the sermon together and like researching and stuff, I was like, yeah, but what's that mean for me? Because like, <laughs> I'm that selfish, right? So like all of us. Um, and if you're either, raise your hand if you're kind of selfish sometimes. All right, everyone that didn't raise their hand, you're a liar. Everyone that did raise their hand, I appreciate your vulnerability. Thank you for joining me, all right? Um, like most of us, I read that, and I was like, yeah, but what does that have to do with me? And like almost everything in Christ's kingdom, it, it largely isn't just about someone else. There's a beauty in it that is for the good of others, to the glory of God, but it's also for you. And so what I want to, what I want to kind of bring up is, is another idea that, that, like, man, yeah, when you serve, you absolutely serve others. But there is this beauty when we serve that, that kind of like when we partner with God, like, like, let me say it like this. You ever seen those movies where like someone's doing something hard? Like they're doing something hard and there's like all those people that are kind of standing around. And then all of a sudden you could see the guys like working really diligently. The guy was working really diligently. And then all of a sudden one person in the crowd is like, I'm going to help, right? Like they're all heroic. Okay. And, uh, and they go up and they like start doing the hard thing with the person. And then the person looks to the right, and they're like, oh, man, I got like a second wind because I'm seeing somebody do the hard things with me. And then all of a sudden, another person comes along, and another person comes along, and all of a sudden, they do the hard thing all together. I could write kids' movies, fam, I'm telling you. <laughs> That's kind of what it's like in this moment. When Christ invites us to serve alongside of him, what ends up happening is we may think it's going to take away from us. We may think we lose something in our service, but what ends up happening is you start to put your hand to the plow, you start to serve alongside Christ, and then you look to your right or you look to your left and you realize that you're not serving without being served. You're partnering with a God that's actively serving you. You're reminded that you have what you need because the king of the world is beside you going, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. Like you're not, you're not battling through things alone. 
Man, I, I, you're serving because I'm actively serving you. When we serve, it reminds us of the reality that we have this beautiful life in Christ. It reminds us that he has seen us. He knows us. He loves us. He came to the world to serve us. He died for us. He resurrected and claimed us. And now we are alive in him, partnering with him in order to bring redemption to the world. That's what you have when you serve. You look right and you go, man, you know what? I have everything I need. I'm content. I lack nothing. And look at me. Everyone just just take a pause and look at me real quick. I'm going to ask you a simple question. Do you believe that you are content and lack nothing? Do you believe that you are content and lack nothing? I'm not saying do you know that you're content and lack nothing. Because I could do a pop quiz right now and be like, hey, everybody, are you content and lack nothing? And everyone in here is going to be like, I'm not asking you if you know that. What I'm asking you is deep down inside, when the waves of life hit your house and everything begins to shake and it feels like you're losing left and right and you're unsure if you are whole, you're unsure if you are valuable, you're unsure you have all these questions and lies and voices, is there something deep here that goes in Christ and with Christ? I have everything I need and I lack nothing. Is that the reality that we live in? Is that the thing that we believe deep down inside about our life? That's what Christ is saying. Come into serving alongside of me, and you'll be reminded of that reality every time you put your hands to that plow. You'll be reminded of that reality every time you come alongside of me and serve. It will be an act that doesn't just show others the beauty of who I am, but it will remind you of the beauty of who I am to you. That's the beauty of serving. That's the fruit of serving. That's that moment that's amazing. It's, it's, man. And let me be honest, guys. Like, that, that's, something, that's something that comfort can't give any of us. What I just said, that type of sustenance, moment by moment, day in, day out, is something that comfort cannot give us. It cannot give you that. Man, when you are feeling low, Coming home and resting on the couch will not gain you sustenance forever. It will let you rest for one moment and laugh at, what's his name? Uh, what's his name? Homeboy, uh, the office. Michael Scott, you knew exactly what I was talking about. Good for you. Okay, it, it gives you one moment where you laugh at Michael Scott, and it alleviates some type of idea of your lowliness, and then you ha- you're right back into the lowliness right after that. And what Christ is saying is do what you can, including serving, to remind yourself that you don't have to take your mind off of your lowliness for one second. You have to set your mind on the glory and might of Jesus at work in your life. Do the things that make you think about that. Do the things that set your mind on that. And guys, isn't that the best thing for us? Isn't that the most beautiful thing for us? Let me be really honest. Let me be really honest. There are moments where I am tired where I am tired of living my life in a way that says I want to come home after a long day and I want to play with my kids and then I want to watch Hulu and then I want to go on with my day, sleep and try to do the same thing over and over again the next day. I don't want to live like that. 
I want to live in a way where I can use my life to glorify God and then I sit on my couch and my hands and my feet and my knees and my shoulders and all my other joints are all bone tired. But there is something inside of me that goes, you are whole, you are content, you lack nothing, you have everything you need because of who he is at work in your life. That's what I want. I want something that sustains me long-term, not something that makes me giggle for five seconds. That's what I want. That's what I want. And I hope that that's what you want. And the beautiful thing is that in this text, that's what Christ is offering us. He's not simply going, hey, uh, man, if you do this, it might be good for other people. It might help us out sometimes here and there. It's a good way to check the, the box. And if you do this, I might love you a little bit more. It's him saying, you are loved and cared for. Man, you are protected and provided for. I have given everything for you. I serve you. So now join me in this service to remind yourself of all those realities day by day, moment by moment. That's what we're invited into. That's what we're invited into. There is this quote by J.D. Greer, a pastor and author in North Carolina. And he says this, true religion is when you serve God to get nothing else but more of God. Many people use religion as a way of getting something else from God. They want blessings, rewards, even escape from judgment. This is wearisome to us and to God. But when God is his own reward, Christianity becomes thrilling. Sacrifice becomes joy. Let me remind you of something, friends. Remind you of something, family. When you set aside that hour of sleep, the two hours of sleep to serve the church, when you uh, set aside that time to serve your family, when you set aside that time to serve your city, your community, your friends, you do not lose. You do not lose. You gain. You gain. Christ is making that abundantly clear. Man, I'm a little worked up. Uh, <laughs> ooh, I'm a little, it's hot up here, I'll say that much, all right. <laughs> let, 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 me, let me finish this text. I want to finish the text. Yeah, I want to finish the text. Let's move on, 28. I want us to read this, and I want us to think about one last thing, one last thing real fast before we close. Christ goes on and says, you are those who have stayed with me in my trials. That's pretty funny because they were all fixing to leave. Um, and I assign to you, as my father assigned to me, a kingdom that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. I wanted to bring this last point up because I think it really emphasizes or reemphasizes something we just visited. Man, Christ is his own reward. But like uh, many of Christ's actions, he doesn't leave it at just this sense of like, yeah, you know, you should be your friend or you should want me more. He, he takes it into this eternal perspective that I know he wants to, he wants to use it to kind of change how we see everything. And so in this moment, can you go back to the beginning of 28, Sandra? He says, and I assign to you as my father assigned to me a kingdom, a kingdom that you may eat and drink at my table 
in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Let me be really clear. The whole 12 tribes of Israel thing, that's an exclusively these guys thing. That's not you and me. But what he is doing is communicating there is an eternal value to this. Can you go back to, what is it, 27 or um, 25 maybe? Remember earlier, he said, remember that, that the one who reclines at table, uh, uh, no, 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 for who is greater, the one who reclines at table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines that's greater? But I'm here serving. You may not be able to see this contrast so clear, but Christ has this beautiful moment with his disciples that says, man, you remember when I said, you remember when I said that I'm here serving and really I'm asking you to do the same. But I promise you that there will be a time in eternity where you will store reward. And when it is time to reign, you will reign alongside me. You will reign alongside me. That's the hope. And I want you to think about something as it pertains to you giving, sacrificing, serving. The end of that story, the end of the story with you serving is not that you lost an hour of sleep. The end of the story of you serving is not that you had to go out in the rain on a cold morning. It's not that you had to lay down your life for someone you thought in a lot of ways in an earthly way was beneath you. It's not that you had to give more than you were given. It's not that you were robbed of anything. It's not that you lost anything. The end of the story of you serving is that you reign with the living God. That's the end of the story. That's the end of the story. That's what happens at the end of the story. And so what Christ desires in this moment is, man, each one of those moments where you feel the sense of like, man, is this worth it? Yes. Yes, it's worth it. When it's, is it worth it to get up that morning? Yes. Is it worth it to go out and hand out food and care for the people that, that, are, that have less than you? Yes. Is it worth any of the moments where I have to set down comfort and go, that doesn't make me whole? That does. So I'm going to pursue and partner and come alongside him to serve. Is any one of those moments worth it? Yes. Yes, they're worth it. They're worth it. They're worth it for what they gain others. They're worth it for the fruit they produce in you. They're worth it for the prize and the, the, the treasure that we have in eternity being with Christ. Man, they're worth it. They're worth it. Man, y'all ain't hear me. Man, they're so worth it. I'm so serious, like, man, I wish I could, like, almost just, I've, I've tried my best, and obviously I'm a man, but, man, my prayer is that today what you would do is look at your life and look at the comfort that's present. And, like, I'm not saying that comfort is bad, all right? I don't have anything against Netflix and Hulu. Keep sharing your password with everybody you know. I don't care, all right? Keep your couch. Keep your, unless you got a really nice couch and you're willing to part with it for the cheap, then holler at your boy. But keep your couch. Share your Netflix password. Do all those things still. That's, I'm not, maybe not Netflix password. I feel a little guilty about saying that now. Um, what I'm saying is I don't have anything against comfort. What we're saying is, man, this week, set aside that moment when you feel like comfort is going to be the answer to your heart's woes and pursue serving alongside of Christ. That's what I'm requesting of you. That's what I'm asking you. I think that's what Christ is asking us. 
That in those moments of feeling low, instead of pursuing comfort right away to try to gain renewal, to try to gain life, to try to gain encouragement, set that aside and go, you know what? I'm going to pick up my, my cross. I'm going to bear it. I'm going to walk alongside Christ in serving others. And man, I want to encourage you that I promise, I promise that he's going to produce a beautiful fruit of joy and hope and life for this life and the next in each one of those moments. I promise you. And there's actually a simple way to do that. Now, this is a shameless plug, and I don't care. Uh, <laughs> can you put up the connect page, Sandra? There's an easy way to get involved in that. If you're even right now wondering, like, man, how can I do that? Like, how can I do that? Man, which, which ways can I get involved? How do I serve? Is there a place where I can serve? Do I do it at church? Do I do it out in, in, in my community? Do I do it? Man, all of the above, yes, but I want to give you an easy access point to serve. Then if you go to the wellaustin.com forward slash connect, there is a whole roster of teams uh, here at this church that do things like set up, that do things like tear down, that do things like put these chairs here, all these, like this place is a cafeteria, y'all. Like you came into a camp, like Campbell Elementary School. It didn't look like this when we got here. (laughs) um, There's a whole kids ministry on that side, right? That disciples, cares, and submits to kids. Man, there, there is this beautiful space here where we have a community of people that are laying down their lives alongside of Christ because they have found what makes them whole in order to build this people and keep sharing that message, pushing the kingdom forward, pushing back darkness. Man, and I would ask that you would think about this, that you would look on there and say like, hey, man, like I think I'd be interested in serving alongside kids. I think I'd be interested in serving on the welcome team, the worship team, the soundboard. I mean, there's a ton of different places you can get involved. You want an easy access point to begin to put things into practice that we talked about today. This is it. So what I want to do uh, is I want to pray for us, pray that the Lord would would really stir um, our heart for him, stir our heart for uh, coming alongside of him, partnering with him, and that really the Lord would give us a clear understanding and maybe even a clear direction in the next few minutes as we worship him, as we respond to the word, as we take part in communion remembering his sacrifice. Give us a really clear direction of where he desires us to serve, how he desires to serve. Um, And my prayer is that you would not just kind of feel like, okay, the sermon is about me checking a box, but that you would truly, truly grab onto the reality that you have a king that adores you, has served you. And his call into service, his call into partnering with him in serving is is one that is is, is done out of a desire to bring you joy. And so hope that you would pursue that joy as we would pursue that fullness. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your grace and your kindness. Thank you that you do not leave us alone with our thoughts. You do not not save us and simply leave us where we are, but instead, God, you redeem us and then redeem our thoughts for the sake of our joy, for the sake of our blessing, for the sake of our heart, for the sake of our mind. God, I ask that this would be a fruitful time. I ask that literally there be some of us that in that regarding the thought of serving, um, whether it be at church, in the community, that literally, God, it would be a place where our thoughts are changed regarding who you are, regarding what serving looks like, regarding the fruit and the benefit of this. And we would pursue it, and we would pursue it with joy, and that you would move in it in order to bring about glory for you. Not just glory because we look good, and not just glory because the church looks nicer, not just glory because there's people volunteering, but glory because we recognize in every moment moment by moment, as we serve alongside of you, that we, are, we have everything we need in you, that we lack nothing in you, that we would find dependence on you. God, I just pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.